Hello, James. <laughs> Again? <laughs> Third time's a charm. Depending on how this has been ed- edited, you know, you can tell that the podcast has taken a turn for the avant-garde. Uh, it's kind of a weird day. Yeah, it's, in history. Uh, it's a magical time where the listeners will know who the next president is. Let's not be so sure of that, but <laughs> they'll know what happened on election day. Uh, James and I are here. I don't think we should talk about it very much more, but now you know. It's that day. Uh, different people have different relationships that day in general, and I think this is one where those relationships get a little bit extreme. Um, but yeah, here's to here's to a bright future, James. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to when all this election nonsense is over and we can get back to what really counts, which is the poker. I agree. Well, we're going to help you guys do that by talking through a listener hand. Uh, just a reminder, if you guys want to send us hands, there's a form on our website, justhandspoker.com. Uh, so look forward to getting some more of your guys' hands. This one comes from a charity poker room on a Sunday evening, a little Sunday evening charity action. Always a good time. One, three. I, I'm not sure where this happened, but I think the charity rooms are particularly popular in like the Midwest. Uh, so I'm going to guess this is somewhere in Michigan. Do you think they have higher rake uh not necessarily not like crazy high mm-hmm. i feel like if you're playing charity poker maybe more rake is better that would be among the times where that's reasonable although I don't, you don't get to really pick the charity i think basically like a different charity like sponsors every day and i think they have to pony up like some cash to basically bankroll the game then they get to keep the rake and the room uh the dealers take tips and the room makes money just by selling like refreshments. It's a nice, it's a nice thing. Yeah. They can be a little sketchy though. I've played them. Uh, so in this, in this game, the primary villain is a young thinking player still in college. Sounds about right. Uh, he's one of the only players in the pool who seems capable and is definitely winning the soft lineup that we're in. He seems to play a significant amount of mine. Uh, I've seen him put in three bets and four bet plus against more active players He's talked about playing in a 1-2 home game that plays 500-plus big blinds deep. Solid description. Yeah. Hero, through a combination of run-good results and uh, Hero's propensity to talk and make jokes at the table, has gained a reputation in this card room as a tough opponent, hopefully deservingly so. Uh, a few rec players have joked that I must be a pro, uh, and Hero writes that he is profitable in this extremely soft 1-3 game. Poker is just a hobby for him. A hero's image is that he's not afraid of the money, and is willing to make big bets both as bluffs and value. When Hero sits down on Hijack's immediate left, uh, Villain told him that Hero is the last player that Villain would want to ever see on Villain's direct left. Uh, a rec player came over to say hello and told them that they were the number one and number two players in the room, and uh, Hero writes that he doubts this, but that's, I guess, the reputation that they have. It's got a little bit of a, a rec battle going on here, it looks like. Yeah. I do think for a young kid who uh, fancies himself a good player, there is going to be like a bit of a tendency to battle. Yeah. Especially if this is something that just happened. You know, guy sits down 
you know, here I sit center villains left, which is a little bit of a like, it's a little combative, not necessarily that it was uh, optional. Optional, but yeah, it's it's still like notable. Yeah, and, I think this yeah, is the exchange. This is very good background to know. This is if I didn't know this, I would approach the hand a little differently. I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so hijack is the effective stack with fifteen hundred dollars, like one three, and wow. hero only just covers him. And most of the other players at the table are on stacks of two hundred to six hundred. I don't know if I've ever been that deep playing one three. Yeah. I will say like this is really not a good position to be in as like the kid in this situation. Um, you know, if the person that you if you're playing a game where it's like the person on your left has you covered, you're each five hundred big blinds deep, that's the player you least want to be playing against. And everybody else at the table is much shallower. Depending on your bankroll situation, it's not a bad time to like pack it up and leave or try and get a table change. You know, I know that's not very brave. But I think you'll make more money just getting out of this situation. Depends a little bit on what the player on your left is like. If they're someone who's more aggressive, then I think that is good advice. If they're more passive, then it's just not going to matter very much. But it's, presumably this player's hero is somewhat aggressive because typically you're not considered to be like a very good player by other players if you're not aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a dangerous situation for our opponent. All right. Here's pre-flop. An early position loose passive player limps. The villain in the hijack raises to $30, which is his default sizing. <laughs> I'm a fan. Uh, he's told me this is his way of raising the stakes. Hero's general strategy against the slide raises is to play relatively snug. Common mostly is a three bet. Uh, I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable, especially the snug part. And I think coming in mostly is a three bet is reasonable. You know, I don't think you have to, but Makes sense. At this point in the night, Hero has three bet hijacked twice before and gotten quick folds both times. So Hero, so I know what Hero has, although it wasn't written here, but I think it's supposed to be transparent. Hero has jacks. I don't know what suits, so apologies for that. So we have jacks here. I'm guessing you're thinking three bet. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, I mean, everyone knows kind of why, but um, yeah, this is strong enough hand to three bet here um i do think like it's not here's something i will say about just flatting yeah which is that when we're very deep we can face a four bet which starts to suck where jacks like will face a four bet a little bit more often than other sort of like medium to high end value four or three bets so potentially it it can be a tricky hand to three bet because of that because it, it has a hard time against four bets because it's not an easy fold, but it faces four bets somewhat frequently. Um, the other thing is that it's not like there's that many instances where we just like get a ridiculous amount of value with Jack's post-flop. It can actually potentially be like a little bit of a higher-end bluff catcher, especially on boards where our opponents having just like more big pairs is really advantageous like having jacks it's a nice kind of bluff catcher it's you know for example take like a deuce deuce three board sort of something that's like extremely favorable for our opponent having jacks there becomes very valuable so i don't think it's like a a must three bet by any means uh, and i think that it's worth exploring some flats in instances like this um but certainly like you know three bet with a plan to call a four bet 
I think is a, a very solid option. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about going kind of smaller with our three vet range here? Like something like two and a half X, um, as kind of an counter to this huge raise that's, um, probably has quite a few hands in it. Uh, so kind of like a, a merged raise from our opponent here to 30. Mm, I don't know how well that will serve us in this game. Um, personally, so, you know, when Hero wrote that he mostly comes in as a three bet, like, I don't feel like that's necessary. I think the, the amount of money we have behind and the fact that we're in position is very threatening. And against this, these very large raises, likely not with that tight of a range. Uh, I think we have a lot of flexibility with calling, uh, having a lot of money left to play and being in position. Uh, and so I think we can punish the very large, not to say it's bad, but very large raise through flats. Part of the problem with three betting, the smaller size is that I think we are up against a player who will four bet us a reasonable amount. And that really takes away our positional advantage. Um, yeah. And we're, yeah, we're quite deep here. So we don't really like, we definitely don't want to be getting it in pre-flop with jacks, but maybe if we're shallower here, kind of raising to induce four bet bluffs could maybe be an option. Yeah. I don't know. I'm expecting like, I'm expecting opponent. Like, I don't think it's that hard to have like a relatively well-constructed four bet in barrel strategy. Mm Mm-hmm. Such that I just don't think like at this depth, like we do so well by just like trying to induce a bunch of four betting. Like, yeah. uh, I'm saying like definitely not trying to induce at this stack depth. Yeah. But I agree. Maybe if we're shallower, um, trying to induce could be an option for us. I like trying to induce with aces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love trying to do it. Or kings. You know, I think kings is a great hand to try and induce. Uh, it was pretty transparent when like you might not be good anymore. And our opportunity cost is pretty low. Another, uh, so something I, like going back to kind of the game dynamic here. So after we three bet twice and got quick folds, I'm less liable to want to three bet the hands that are more in the merge mm, yeah, because exactly. I think we're going to get more resistance. So like tens or nines, I'd be like less inclined to three bet here. And then Jax is kind of moving into that territory a little bit. Yeah, I just feel like a lot of ace highs can four bet us mm-hmm. in this spot. And it's just not like, on the one hand, if like ace 10 suited just four bets us and we call, it's not bad, but it's not it's not so amazing. Um, would so you consider a five bet? I guess. Like a five if bet. If we five bet, we can fold depending on sizing. So it'd mm-hmm. be like. 100 like we maybe we raised to 90 our opponent goes to yeah so i'll just just to 200. fast forward the hand yeah. a little because this will become pertinent yeah hero does raise to 90 mm-hmm. which i think is a reasonable size uh i think you actually can go bigger or smaller depending on like how you want to approach the situation uh there's a lot of flexibility here in my opinion i think i would probably go larger against this particular opponent to try and dissuade four bets or flat. Those would be my or go smaller, like giving us more ability to play against four bets. So I guess in I guess I don't actually like the sizing very much, but I at least understand it because I think there's a case for going smaller and a case for going larger, which 
can make this size feel comfortable, even though maybe it doesn't serve you as, as well as either of those other sizings. So the action folds to the hijack, tanks for about a minute before four bedding to 270. So a little 90 big blind four bed. Yeah. Which is massive, but also like, you know, in context, I think makes sense. So I don't know. What do you think about like a click to like 600? I know it's not literally a click. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good deal bigger than a click, but. It'll, it'll probably get like some of the nonsense out of there, but there's something about the description of what happened that makes me want to do that less. What do you think? Do you think that, I think the tank for a minute is weighted towards value. I don't think he's like getting the, trying to get the nerve up with more bluffs. Yeah. The, the tank is interesting. I've also seen like aces snap for bit as well. So maybe, maybe the read is not as strong. But I feel like there's not. I'm remembering the last time I was like tank four bet and the opponent had aces. (laughs) I think, you know, I do, I do think like in general, like assuming that our opponents are doing sort of basic like reverse psychology as sort of like an instinctual thing. Mm -hmm. And that that's sort of like something that's going to populate tells largely is a good approach. But I don't feel like there's a clear, consistent assignment as to like what a pre flop tank means in terms of is it strong or is it weak do you think the tank is sort of like always perceived as weak yeah i'm i'm becoming less confident in that read um from like a before we have the information about the tank standpoint i think the four bet i'm expecting like a lot of um a lot of ace highs potentially four bet Mm -hmm. and so what's tricky about five betting is like do those fold or not and what happens on flops that are favorable. Uh, you know, ace high, king high flops are pretty easy, I think, or at least ace high flops are very easy to give up. Yeah. Or at least delay and maybe turn a hand to a bluff to get kings and queens to fold, but you know, that's a little ambitious. Probably giving up on an ace high. Reasonable to give up on a king high board, I think. It's, queen is tough because I think ace king is fairly likely to call, although maybe it can fold to a five bet. I don't know. It's a little, I, don't, I sort of, I think there's so little clarity about the continuing range facing the five bet, unless we go really big, then it makes me prefer just flatting where we have more clarity, I feel like, about what the four bet range looks like from this player who's relatively aggressive. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Or what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I like that. I think like in the moment, if one is confident that there's too much weight to four bet bluffs, like, you know, there are a lot of candidates in terms of like the wheel aces and ace king and ace queen and maybe king queen um and so if one's read on the game flow is i've three bet twice and this opponent um is the type that will over four bet here i think going for a five bet to simplify things could make sense um you know ace king can probably continues as you said which makes it um it'll make it trickier for us but there are enough other hands in it i could see it working well like just if yeah it's it's like if i was advising like a student here that's that's what i would say like if you are confident in your read that it's too bluff heavy here go for it but um like the safer play is calling here yeah i think you know it's like even if we're confident that the range is too wide we're still risking a lot more than we stand to win yeah. with the four, the five bet. 
And so I think our lack of clarity around how our opponent will play against that five bet is it's it makes things difficult. Yeah. So uh, we'd be like risking six hundred to win, or, or we'd be we'd be risking about five ten to win three sixty. Okay. Yeah. I don't mind it. You know, I think it's a reasonable play. Uh, Hero does call, which I think is also a reasonable play. And I would just I would put to Hero like if you feel like you are feel confident that there's a good amount of loss, which if you're calling, then I think you are because you are allowed to fold here. Uh, and so not folding means that we are, I guess, probably not expecting to be up against a range that's just like ace, king, aces, kings, queens. Uh, then consider how your opponent will play versus a five bet. And if you can just pick up the pot often enough that way where the sort of other good things that can happen where maybe a down bet, we just pick it up on the flop enough and we just flop like a set of jacks enough that all in all the five bet is better than the four bet or that then just calling somebody consider but here just calls and the pot is 547 with 1230 behind do you so think that, our opponent is less likely to get out of line just because we're so deep here or mm, trying to in in some ways yeah. yes but i don't know it seems like villain's at least comfortable I'm guessing villain is pretty comfortable with like a $270 bet and isn't necessarily thinking about why I might be playing for it all quite Mm -hmm. at this point in the hand, but I am definitely like if we see like, you know, a down bet and then like a thousand dollar all in on the turn or something, or if we see like 250, 1000, that's a little bit, uh, you know, that's a lot of money to put on on a buff, I think for someone in college. So I think you have to take into consideration. Yeah. That's uh, textbook money, right? That is totally textbook money. Flop is 10 of spades, nine of clubs, two of hearts. How do you approach a spot as the four better? Is this an auto C bet? Um, I think because ranges become so narrow, it's reasonable to C bet on this board and on most boards as the four better. Um, it depends on like how out of line the four bet was so like if the reason that i four bet was because i thought the three bet was too wide and i get a lot of folds and i'm like just like mixing in way too many hands like i don't know i think like it makes sense to give up with the wheel aces here maybe if we four bet king queen something with some equity like king queen is a really nice hand to continue with here as a four better um maybe for kind of a larger sizing so we can try and get ace-king or ace-queen to fold, which dominates um, our hand. Yeah, I mean, I think our our kind of trickiest holding in some ways is the four better is like an ace-king. It's not very likely we get better to fold here on the flop. Uh, that doesn't mean we shouldn't bet, but we're kind of betting to deny equity, which there's not a lot of equity to deny, or to try and get folds on later streets, which can be done, but there's a, a fair amount of turns that make that tricky for us. If we can get hands like 10x or jacks or queens to fold down the road, um, that becomes pretty tricky when the turn is like a queen, jack, 10, 8, 7. So I don't I don't think we absolutely need to see that. Like I think we can this is definitely a two-street game that we want it to be. You know, we have about a little over 2x pot or SPR, like 2.2. So if we bet half pot, we're setting up pot roughly mm-hmm. and so we can we can also go like two-thirds two-thirds starting on the turn so i don't think we're in a we must see that here 
And I do think we can potentially get some good information on the turn about to what degree will we be, will we be successful. That being said, um, we can also go bet flop, shove turn or bet flop, check turn, shove river, depending on like what our runouts are. So we have a lot of flexibility here. Um, I don't like what villain did, which was to bet 125. To me, this is like fancy imitation sort of stuff. Um, it's it's not terrible in the sense that like he just gets like some ace king and ace queen to fold potentially, although like yeah. not necessarily. I guess aces and kings could make this a three street game here, um, just betting small on every street. Yeah, um, it's yeah we're we're kind of polarizing against a hand like hero has here, um, trying to put jacks to some kind of. Well, from a theoretical standpoint, putting jacks to some kind of point of indifference. If we have ace-king here, is there any way that we get jacks to fold? Like, even a queen turn, that's going to be... Like, jacks is going to have the open-ended straight draw. Say it again. So if we have ace-king here, is there any way we can confidently get jacks to fold or make it more likely? Like, what line is going to be the best line to get jacks to fold here? Uh, I mean, I think... I think anything where we're all in on the turn has a reasonable chance of getting jacks to fold. Mm-hmm. The only the problem is on on cards that make it easier for jacks to call, like a queen, a jack, or an eight or a seven in particular. Yeah. The nice thing about betting larger on the flop and making it a two street game is that there's a number of turns where we can just decide to go all in and execute sort of like max leverage on. Those types of hands, I think especially when we have a hand like ace-king, which blocks his aces and kings and has the most equity against queens and jacks compared to like ace-queen. Yeah. So I think that would be my approach here. I think when we have ace-queen, we don't necessarily want ace-king to stick around. 125 is not great for that. It's not terrible to deny equity with uh, like a hand like kings either or queens. So I think I prefer just going larger here. And then I think we, depending on what the turn is, we'll either just be all in with the range that wants to get all in or way to do it on the river uh, if we if a card comes that's favorable for our opponent like a queen or jack in particular mm-hmm. an eight is like not necessarily that favorable for our opponent but it's just like practically speaking it's harder to bluff where i don't th- I think it's hard to get aces or kings to fold you know like when the turn's an eight it's almost like queens and jacks become the better bluff catchers yeah in a sense i don't know maybe that's not really true uh obviously aces is a better hand to have uh you know, can kings find folds where like jacks doesn't on that kind of card? The bottom line is that it's hard to get jacks to fold on like a 1098 card uh, when we're perceived to be able to go buffing. So I think doing a lot of checking or at least checking bluffs is going to be practical on those sorts of cards. And it's something to keep in mind as a cutoff. Well, we've been thorough with this this decision, not relevant to the hero. I'm not, not, not relevant, but uh, not being made by a hero. So we face 125. I don't think we are folding jacks here. Any case for raising, as you see it? No. I mean, like, there are some worlds in which raising is better, but... Yeah. I think we should call it here. Yeah, and this... It, it's almost like it's nice to see 125 instead of 300, personally. 300 is like, oh, I know where this is going. 125 is like, oh, bargain. I guess, uh... <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm going to be able to realize my equity and decide if I want to bluff catch uh, for stacks or not. Yeah. The turn is an 8, Oh, wow. Of spades, bringing a backdoor flush draw 
and adding a straight draw for our pair of or pair of jacks. Now hijack quickly bets four hundred dollars into eight hundred dollars. I mean, I don't think we should fold. Yeah. So I guess the question is shover. I I just want to call again. I don't really think um, higher pairs are going to fold here. Yeah, it's they're getting a pretty good price. Uh, and while it doesn't it doesn't really look like we are, could be bluffing here, we also could just have jacks, which sort of works against us. Yeah, I think it's crazy for our opponent to like fold a hand like kings facing a shove here. But yeah, I I also would just call. What we're getting like a good price. What's the the pot at this point? The pot at this point is about seven hundred, about eight hundred. Okay, it's not that good of a price, but yeah. But with the chances that like we can, we've got about probably on average like nine outs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, our our opponent can easily like bet ace king and give up on the river here as well. Yeah, the river is the eight of hearts pairing the board. Villain goes all in for hero right six forty, which is a little bit less than I think he's supposed to have based on what we what we knew, but that's fine. So it goes on for six forty into about eight. 800 uh into 1600 no that's right yeah thank you for that well now we we basically just have the question of like can villain get here with bluffs if villain gets here with bluffs like will they follow through or not ace king ace queen king queen ace jack these are all hands that can get here for bet like turn spades assuming our opponent always plays like aces kings queens like this that's 18 combos we have to find bluffs to balance out. Um, and so how many is that? We're getting what? We're getting over 3 to 1. We're getting less than 4 to 1. Like we're getting like 3.6 to 1. So we need to find around 5 bluffs. Is that right, James? Um, so there's we're saying there's 18 value combos. No, I think we need more than more than 5 bluffs. Yeah. No, I, I think we need about 5 bluffs. Let me check. Six would okay. James, I've run the numbers. Uh, what what's the result? The result is we need five bluffs. Well done. Thank you. Um, really, we need probably like five and a half bluffs, but whatever. So I think there'll be five bluffs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't feel like we need to talk about it that much. This fucking punk ass kid. <laughs> you think he's not going to show up here with five five bluffs? Calm down. I think Ace Queens will get here. I think ace kings with ace king of spades, ace queen of spades, yeah. queen of spades. Yeah, I guess here. ace king doesn't always follow through, but we don't need it to always follow through. We really don't need to follow through that often. Mm-hmm. Like there's 24 ace kings and ace queens that can think, play this way. Yeah, I think a lot of like the spade combos shove turn, but I mean, no, I don't. I don't agree. Like ace king, it's, it's a big shove. I'm not saying it would be a bad shove. I just think it's like bigger. That would be yeah. shoving like. Uh, yeah, maybe not. In It'd, be It'd be an overbet. It'd be an overbet for a, a pretty a pretty deep overbet. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised. Um, and I think the player that does that can do that with pairs or like over pairs too. Yeah. Yeah, I would just call. Yeah. I think maybe I fold these spots a little bit too much. Um, but our yeah, our opponent, like the read on our opponent is that they we know he four bet bluffs. bluffs. Yeah. Which is a key thing. Yeah. And we know that like it's a young kid who said that they didn't want to play against us, quote, like, you know, in sort mm-hmm. of jazz, uh, or not, not necessarily jazz, but like in sort of a playful manner. 
Yeah, I think like they're we're trying get, to show that they're better. Yeah, we're gonna get effed with. Yeah, 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 and we don't have to be right very often. No, and we unblock a lot of the boss. Yeah. So hero calls. Takes for about two plus minutes and called. Yeah, this is a reasonable spot to take your time. All right. Let me let me read what villain has to say. Hijack is a good player, and I had asked for a table change. It's going to war with this guy was something I was interested in doing when softer lamps were available. Uh, very smart, although I think when you're in position, like you don't have to be as worried. Uh, in fact, I think you should be a good... Let me put it like this to this uh, hero. If you're playing outside of your role, then... And when I say playing outside your role, like sometimes if you like bought it for 300 and now you have 1,500, now you're like above like what you would typically want to buy it for. In that case, I totally get wanting to change tables. If you're comfortable with the money on the table, I think you should take the challenge of trying to play against this type of player when you're in position as a first step. Um, I think really your opponent is the one who should probably try and change. And if they're not, it probably means they're a bit of an ego player, in which case there's a good chance that you can make a lot of money from this situation. Uh, but that's that's what we got from Hero, is that he wasn't interested in going to war. Hero writes, I'm very willing to apply game selection, as poker is just a hobby for me. I think his opens to $25 plus are pretty bad with me in the game. His strategy is pretty transparent, and I can just attack his opens with linear three bets and have no incentive to call with marginal hands. Uh, I do think you have some incentive to call with marginal hands because of how deep you are, but just a difference in opinion, I guess. Uh, Hero writes that I think his flop down bet makes sense. His forward ranges at 1 3 are generally quite nutted. And the small size should force me to continue with a lot of hands that don't love the spot. I don't think we have any reason to raise with any portion of our range on the flop, as he's already pulled out to kings plus or high cards. Um, and I think if he perceives you to be three betting quite a bit, I wouldn't rule out queens or even necessarily jacks for what it's worth. The turn bet is where the hand gets scary. Unblocking aces and kings is kind of a double edged sword. Dylan has available to him ace, all ace king combos, but also aces and kings. Hero decides to continue because. We unblock backdoor flush draws, and with some of the time, river straight, that is almost certainly good. River board is mostly brick. In the moment, I range villain on either ace-king, maybe ace-queen suited, and then aces and kings. I thought queens would slow down at some point in the hand, as they should be worried about tens and kings plus. I thought this spot was extremely close against any other player in the room. I would have confidently folded the turn bet. I think that's a good point. I think we actually are probably overestimating the degree to which queens wants to be all in. Uh, by the yeah. way, here. Yeah. So we, we actually need fewer bluffs. Unblocking space in Ace-King and believing this player is capable of trickling off a side call. What do you think Hero, or sorry, Villain had? Um, so because the hand was written in, like, there's a higher chance that Hero lost the hand. Like, that's just, like, that's just how it is often. So I'm going to go with Aces. So I know, I know what the hand is. Here's what I have come to think about hands that get written into us. I think... Yeah. Are that the bragging kind of... Well, let me put it like this. I think if we're more likely to get hands where like a bigger hand got kind of like cracked or something, then we like called off 500 bigs <laughs> with jacks and we're just wrong. Yeah. So I, I would expect probably that this, this can go either way, but it's going to go where we win more than we probably actually win in the spot. Um, but I'm definitely biased because I know the results and we do win. Hijack tables, ace of spades, queen of clubs for ace high with the turn gut shot, and we win with our pair of red jacks. Well done. 
Yeah, very well played hand. Good way to be in tune on your opponent. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting spot preflop to consider. If, if I think you have a lot of good options against this opponent. And I'm going to disagree with you that I think your opponent should not be down bidding the flop. Um, I think you are, I actually think you're, you're more likely to get someone to fold a pair of jacks betting larger earlier in the hand, like going in like 300 and then like 950. I think you can get jacks to fold for 950. I think it's hard to get jacks to fold when you just like string them along. There's like a sunk cost kind of factor on the river. Or it's like you're never getting the fold on the flop. It's it's hard to get the fold on the turn. You can get the fold on the turn, but it's not easy. And then by the river, it's like the odds are so good. The problem is you're just giving him good odds every time, and no one will fold the flop. So your opponent only has to like feel priced in twice. And because there's a lot of turns that actually give your opponent a good amount of equity, then your ability to get the fold on the turn is even less. So you know that being said, it doesn't. I think it's not a bad strategy when we have aces or kings. But as a bluff, I wouldn't choose this line here. Any closing thoughts? Um, nice hand. Um, realize that when you're on the river and you call, it's okay if you're usually wrong. As long as you are right often enough to start making more bad river calls. Agreed. All right, James, thank you for joining me as always. And if you guys want more Just Hands... You know where to go. You go to patreon.com slash just hands and you get yourself some more just hands. That's what you do. All right, James. Thanks for joining me and we'll talk to you all next week.